Dateline New Haven, 103.5M live stream at newhavenindependent.org. This is Paul Bass filling in for the great Babs Rawls Ivy. I got something fun to tell you about. It happens pretty regularly in New Haven, but not enough people know about it. It's called the Yale New Haven Regular Singing. It's a weekly shape note singing group, which is a kind of singing we're going to learn all about today from the man who's helped puts it together. Ian Quinn is a professor of music and the chair of the Department of Music at Yale University who helps putting these events together, including the one taking place Tuesday night. Ian Quinn, thank you so much for coming on Dateline New Haven. Paul, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to meet you. Same here. You know, you look so familiar. I don't know why. Have we run into each other? I can't tell. Anyway. That's possible. All right. So tomorrow night at 469 College Street, room 106, that's Beckel Hall, right? Is that what it's called? Steckle Hall. Steckle Hall. Okay. And that's like at the corner of... Um, of College and Wall. It's right across right. College Street from Sprague Hall. And that, and then anyone can go to this, right? Where you want to do shape notes singing? That's right. This is open to all comers. And it's not a concert, uh, right? It's people come and sing, right? That's right. It's, uh, it is a practice rather than a rehearsal. That is, we get together, we sing, we sing each song once, and then we don't sing it again that day. Really? Um, yeah. It's great. We just do it for the love of it. And uh, nobody needs to audition. Nobody needs to be good at singing to come and sing with us. Uh, there's a long argument about what it means to be good at singing, right? Like, do you think Bob Dylan's good at singing? Uh, he's a, He would be a great shape note singer. Yeah. <laughs> My wife and I have been arguing about this for 40 years. I would argue he's a very good singer. But, uh... <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> but that's a different subject for another day. Um, so these events that take place... So how many people show up to come sing with you guys? Well, uh, you know, the pandemic had a a devastating effect on our community because uh, singing in general is is one of the most efficient ways of spreading an aerosolized disease. Um, And especially shape note singing, which uh, we do usually in a room with chairs facing the center of the room. Uh, Because there's no audience, we're singing only for each other. So we're essentially aerosolizing right at each other. Uh, so in the days before the pandemic, uh, we met every Tuesday uh, weekly and had about 20 people there. Uh, we're at about 12 right now. We're meeting uh, on uh, alternate Tuesdays, uh, basically, for now. And do you have to do anything different because of COVID? Uh, we wear masks in our singing. Is, is it hard to sing with a mask? It is very hard to sing with a mask, uh, but it is the practice that our community has deemed to be and it's better than Acceptable. not singing. We take, a, we take a break in the middle, uh, and usually somebody's brought some baked goods, and then we take off our masks and uh, have a good chat. Now it's while been, we're singing, it's been a long time since I actually attended a shape note session. It was at Wesleyan with a guy named Neely Bruce. Does that ring a bell to you? I know Neely well. He's still up yeah, at Wesleyan. It was very good. And so let's tell people what shape note singing and sacred harp singing. So uh, shape note singing, you you mentioned it's uh, sometimes synonym, sacred harp singing. That is named after uh, a book, which I'm holding up to my camera here, The Sacred Harp. Uh, The reason we call it shape note singing uh, is if I just open it up to a random page and hold that up to the camera, you can see that the notes on the page there are printed in different shapes. And those shapes correspond to the syllables fa, so, la, and mi, which you might recognize from do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. Um, and they help people kind of learn to sight read without ever really learning music notation. It's like a set of training wheels for music notation. Can you put it back up for a second? Sure. It's going to okay. be a different page now because I was just at a random page. So, like, in other words, I see one, like, the six stanzas in there. I see the G note, three-quarter notes. 
and then something that's shaped differently from usually seeing notes being shaped? Is it a mix of notes the way they're usually drawn and not? Like, why someone who doesn't know music, how would they have the corresponding cue from someone who would know that as a G note? So uh, w the shape note system allows you to look at a page like this. I'm just going to keep holding it up for a minute. And you can see that the, the notes come in four shapes. There's the round shape that is the usual normal note shape. And that means that that note is going to be called sol when we sing it. Uh, there's also a triangle shape, which we call fa, and a rectangle shape, which we call la, and a diamond shape we call mi, because diamonds are for me, we like to say. <laughs> and those help us, as we're sight reading, a singer doesn't really need to look at the clef and the key signature and the staff and the bar line and everything. They can just look at those shapes and the shapes will tell them what note to sing. And there's a kind of automatic process that helps people learn to read this music very easily. And that's and is, why the culture of shape note music is to be open to all comers. Especially that is so cool. And, and is it operate on two systems? Do those notes still appear where the notes would be for someone who wants to play it on an instrument yeah, or sing it? That's right. So if you already know music notation, it's actually a little bit more confusing because you have to add something on top of it. If you don't know music notation, you kind of have an advantage. And I've noticed now that when people lead group singing, at least in Jewish settings now, there's this whole tradition of um, when they're trying to teach you a melody for group singing of without written music is you put your hand up where each note would go. Is that at all analogous to this? Did that grow out of that? Is that a more recent? They're both, uh, they're similar systems. Uh, there is a, a famous a Hungarian composer and pedagogue by the name of uh, Zoltan Kodai, who was a big popularizer of uh, people singing Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti to help learn to sight read. But he also encouraged people to have uh, hand signs that correspond to that, that moved up and down. Um, so those are two kind of musical practices that tend to travel together. And how and do you deal with major and minor keys? Time. How do major and minor keys figure into this? Uh, the major scale starts on the note fa. Fa, sol, la, fa, sol, la, mi, fa. The minor scale starts on la. La, mi, fa, sol, la, fa, sol, la. Okay. And then harmony is a big part, if I remember correctly. How do you get harmony working when you bring 12 or 20 people into the room and some of them haven't seen the song before you have them do different parts is like a yeah, round so the music is always in parts it's in uh usually four parts occasionally three parts um the the melody is always in a tenor part uh, this is kind of a holdover from 500 years ago in european music um so newcomers are often encouraged to sit in the tenor part so they can sing along with the melody uh but uh, women with a low voice tend to gravitate to the alto part, which is a part all of its own. Men with a low voice tend to gravitate to the bass part. Um, and people just learn their part by singing next to people around them who have known the part or people are sight reading. And it all just comes together. We don't worry about it too much, but we don't practice. That's the point. So Am the I right that harmony is central to this? Part of what gives yes. it the magic? And is that part of what gives music magic? And we think, well, why do we have music, right? You're a music professor. Why do we have music? What role does music play in societies in helping us feel more human, connect to each other, understand our existence and explore our existence and experience it in ways that are different from the rational? Is harmony key to that in connecting us and taking us to a different level? Harmony is absolutely key to that. One of the, I think, of the many things that are wonderful about music, uh, one of the things you said is the one that's that's so important to me, is that it helps us connect to one another. And it does that even when we're just listening to music, if we're dancing in a club, our bodies are synchronized as we move together. 
Harmony is a way of just doing that in a different way at a much higher level of vibration uh, by having all of us tuned into each other and listening to the different voices that come together. It's a way to take us out of ourselves, to take us out of our bodies and to put us into this wonderful musical space that Harmony helps us get to. And also give us courage sometimes. I think of Sweet Honey in the Rock when they talked about the role that Harmony singing played in the civil rights movement and... Anyway, yeah. let's let's take a, let's take an example. You gave us some examples to play on the air. Harry Jarosz is going to queue up. Christian Soldier, tell us about this. Is this your group? Christian Soldier, performed by Yale New Haven Regular Singing. Like me, you might not know what that was, like I didn't know until a day ago. It's a group that meets every other Tuesday. Everybody can go, where you learn how to sing together in what's called Sacred Harp Shape Note Singing. We're talking about that on Dateline New Haven with Ian Quinn, who helps put that together. He's the Department of Music Chair at Yale University. Ian, is there some kind of specific genre we can use to describe sacred note music? I mean, it's not gospel music. It's not blues music, right? Is there any kind of genre that fits more with it? Uh, some people would call it gospel. Um, it is certainly, it flows out of a tradition of hymn singing um, that really came to be in the Second Great Awakening, uh, which was a, a cultural phenomenon that spanned white communities, black communities, indigenous communities that would come together at camp meetings and exchange musical practices. And that uh, that ferment, that musical ferment, is what is at the heart of shape note music. It's also what's at the the heart of Southern gospel and, to a certain extent, Black gospel as well. Tell us about your own history with it. When did you start getting involved in shape note music, sacred harp singing? Well, my mother told me about it uh, when I was when I was very small, uh, and she had been told about it by a, a folklore teacher of hers uh, uh, a while back. And I never really thought anything about it until one year I was on sabbatical at Stanford and there was a, a singing up in Berkeley. Uh, and so I took the, the two hour drive from Stanford up to Berkeley and I just two my hours? jaw dropped the whole time. A lot of traffic on uh, <laughs> Wednesday nights. Um, my jaw dropped at the idea that there were all these people in the room who didn't consider themselves singing singers who had never had to audition, who had the opportunity to sing music in parts, to sing in harmony, and to stand up in front of a group and lead a song with no training was just, and that's still the most beautiful musical moment of my life. How long ago was that, Ian? 
That was in 2008. To me, that's the way Baron Verdere describes seeing Prince. <laughs> it kind of blew yeah. his mind. It changed his world and how he viewed. <laughs> um, so have you, how many years have you been actively involved in Shape of Singing? I guess it's about 15 years now. Wow. You've been doing this in New Haven 15 years or no? Uh, we've been doing it in New Haven since 2000, I believe, 11. And now you're trying to build it up during, now that the pandemic, we kind of seeing it going to the rearview mirror. Yeah, the whole uh, regional and national community is rebuilding uh, itself right now and trying to refigure out uh, what it's going to be. So it's kind of an exciting moment. Do you think it'll change? I think in some ways it it has to change. Um, we'll, there, there, we'll see how. Uh, as I said, the, the post-pandemic moment is such an exciting opportunity for groups like ours just to rebuild themselves from scratch to see who comes in uh, and who sings with us because those are the people, uh, if they keep singing long enough, who are going to be the leaders of the community in the future. Am I wrong in thinking that unlike in disrupted industries or settings, there's something that's not going to change? Is it still going to be basically people just come and sing? Yeah, that is the and core the value. Yeah. There are, I mean, as the, the word sacred is in the title, the song you played is called Christian Soldier. There is a Christian element to that. Uh, but I think for many of us, including I identify as Jewish myself, um, but there is something profoundly religious in a non-sectarian way. That oh, I think gospel music. I love gospel music. Great. I was just, um, so you're also founding member of the editorial board of Journal Mathematics and Music. And I've always been interested in that. Like when I, I haven't jogged for 40 years, but when I used to jog, it was always about music. And I was thinking about how when you jog, you get a rhythm and it has you form musical ideas. How does math figure into that? Because then when you learn music and you learn the basic formal rules, you learn three, four times, six, you're four, four, and they have to kind of add up. And then when you learn to break the rules, if you're listening to Thelonious Monk and you learn how the time signatures kind of go in weird ways, how important is math to our singing and our music? Well, it's important and not important. It's not important in the sense that you don't need to understand anything about math to do music, right? Um, it is important in the sense that math helps us explain a lot about music, since our brains are essentially, you know, mathematical calculation engines at some level. A lot of what they do to sound is something that we can understand best by using mathematics. And when you're learning formal music before you learn to break the rules or improvise, correct? you're learning very precise mathematical sequences. You're supposed to keep the beat, right? Before you sure, change the yeah, beat. You're supposed to keep the beat. You're supposed to keep the scale. You're supposed to kind of, I mean, mathematical thinking helps us understand how at the beginning you hold certain things constant while you discover a proof. And then mm -hmm. once you discover, you kind of hold other things constant and you make your way up from there. And is that similar with music, the way that we have a structure and that's might be somewhat rigid and then we, use that as a way to break free from rigidity and explore different dimensions you might not have thought of to say the way with a math proof? Yeah, I think mathematics and music both have that power. And for that reason, I mean, in ancient Greece, in ancient Baghdad, in ancient China, the disciplines of mathematics and music were considered in many cases to be the same. All right, let's, hear, an let's hear another example. I'm going to ask Harry Dross, our station manager, to put Winter up. Winter is a, uh, you recorded this in um, 2017. It's Shape Notes, and um, and uh, and um, if if Harry's um, so here, it is from Shape Notes.
That was winter. When was that recorded? It says New Haven All Day Singing. Did you do an all day singing event? So we do an all day singing uh, every year uh, in at the third Sunday in April, which is uh, coming up this year on April 16th. Oh. Uh, so this was 10 years ago, I believe. Uh, so this was probably the 2013 version. The song we heard earlier was recorded in 2017. We're talking to Ian Quinn. This is an event where people come from uh, all of, from neighboring states and come sing with us. Oh, so it's wow. A group, and that's why we get that nice full sound. And we're talking about shape note singing, a.k.a. sacred harp singing, which anyone in New Haven could come do Tuesday night, March 14th, 7, 9 p.m., at 469 College Street. Now, if they're not a Yale member of the Yale community, do they have to bring proof of vaccination? Um, I think we they don't have to bring proof. We ask that people be vaccinated. We ask that people wear a mask. All right. Uh, we do keep uh, contact tracing information. So we do ask that people- Wow, you're still doing contact. I remember contact tracing back in the dark yeah. ages of the early pandemic. Ian, how, how long has it been that you've been back singing since the pandemic? Uh, we've been back singing uh, not quite a year. All right. Uh, I think it's been it's the fall. And you're, back, you're up to about 12 people, but hopefully we'll get a lot more people there tomorrow night. Let's hope so. I'll be in Texas. But, uh, we'll oh, you'll be a, in Texas. We'll have a group of experienced singers there uh, ready to meet you. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been so nice chatting with you, Ian. I think you sound like a really great guy, and it sounds like a great event they have at the Sacred Heart Singing. I'm so glad this takes place in New Haven. It's fun to learn about it, and we'll invite everybody down. Thanks, Paul. Come and sing with us anytime. I'll and how can people nice find out more about you or contact you about this? Uh, they can. If I if I put something in the chat, will that... Uh... Yeah, or if you could just email it to me, we'll put an article in the okay. Independent. I'll, I'll email it to you, yeah. So we have, a, we have a, a little small rudimentary website that tells you all about when and where oh. our events are. All right. That sounds good. So Ian Quinn, Department of Music, Yale. And are you the undergraduate department or the graduate? Uh, we are both, we uh, give PhDs at the graduate level, but we also teach all the undergraduates. All right. Well, what a pleasure to meet you. Good, good, happy travels to Texas. Thanks, Paul. Hope to meet you again. Yale New Haven regular singing Tuesday night, 469 College Street, room 106, 7 to 9 p.m. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day and all night long at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio.